Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Huzefa. And today we're talking about, of course, my favorite subject, my favorite topic, and that is math. So for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with the different math curriculums that are out there, there's one in particular that I've become familiar with in the last year that I'll be using next year when I teach next year, sixth grade. And it's called Singapore Math. And I really like it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's an amazing way to convey a lot of concepts, in a, not only so that kids can understand the mechanics and the algorithms, but so that they can, students can understand why certain algorithms exist and how, and how they actually, instead of just following steps, like what's going on, like why is it the way it is? And I think it can be a really powerful tool. My guest for today is an absolute expert on Singapore math. In fact, he recently led a training session that I was lucky enough to go to uh, a couple weeks ago, and that was great. His name is Bill Davidson. He's not only an expert in Singapore math, he's also a teacher, a consultant, does all these cool things, but I'm going to let him talk about his background and everything that he's done. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Bill Davidson to the show. Bill, how's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. And I've now met you on two different occasions. One time, I know you came yeah, in. At least. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, two or three, I think. Yeah. And then you've even watched me, you've given me your analysis of my teaching, which was super helpful. And then that last conference, the last conference I thought was great. I actually, yeah, that, that one I learned a lot. I actually met a lot of other teachers, so it was really cool. Uh, so, Bill, can you just start, like, can you give us your background? What did you study? How did you get into teaching and all that stuff? Well, I uh, actually was a creative uh, writing major in college. And um, there's not a, it's a pretty hard way to make a living. Um, so I actually got into teaching cause, uh, two reasons. One, I, I, it always interested me, uh, to be a teacher, but, um, you know, I think it kind of, when you're 22, 23, you're often looking at, um, you know, a lot of possibilities that are out there. And I thought, um, I originally wanted to write for a living, but knowing how difficult that was, I thought, um, teaching might be a good way for me to, um, to work and make a living as I, uh, uh, and then I'd have some, some results with, uh, to pursue writing. As it turns out, I found teaching was a lot more demanding than I initially, uh, thought it would be. So, um, and I also wound up realizing how much I like teaching. So I just sort of immersed myself in that. Um, I actually spent five years before I started teaching math at all. Um, I, I was a writing teacher to a group of fifth graders, uh, that I really, really enjoyed working with in Philadelphia. And they, uh, in Philadelphia, you apply for high schools just like most people apply for colleges. And um, if you can't get in one of the top tier high schools in the city, you become, 
your academic track is is um, severely crippled. And I, I like these students. I wanted them to, um, you know, be able to get into some of the better high schools in the city. And I thought that math would be a better catalyst for that than writing. So I decided to switch over and uh, and and teach math in, instead of language arts. And um, I was lucky kind of in that transition. I got connected with Dr. Joram Sager, uh, professor of mathematics at Florida Atlantic University, who I think is more responsible for the spread of Singapore math in the U.S. than anyone else. Um, uh, he was an amazing trainer. I really connected well with him. And, um, and uh, he really, I, I was very good at that point in my career, five years in, to get students to do what I wanted them to do. But I yet, I, at that point, didn't quite know what it was. I, they would do whatever I, I wanted them to. I just didn't know what it was I wanted them to do. And he set me on um, an excellent track. And um, I wound up uh, getting pretty good results with the students. And um, and that kind of, at the time, we were the only school in Pennsylvania doing Singapore math. And um, I had an amazing opportunity to practice um, delivery of instruction and lesson planning um, about, I guess it's uh, 10 years ago this summer that I started so can you tell us what is Singapore math? Um, well, it, it used to mean one thing. It, it's starting to change. Um, like I said, 10 years ago, there was maybe a dozen schools in the nation doing it. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of homeschool parents would do it. Uh, what it was is the national curriculum of Singapore and the education system is different there. They, uh, um, they have it one, they have a national curriculum. So everyone is, teaching the same content. What happens though um, is uh, the teachers have more planning time. And basically, uh, I know I'm not being very articulate right now. Um, essentially, Singapore math is many things, but essentially it's a map and a sequence for teaching students elementary mathematics. Um, it might be easiest to understand what it is by explaining what it it is not in juxtaposing it against uh, traditional American texts. Um, when I was in elementary school, I had a big, thick book, um, with, you know, 40 to 50 chapters in it. And um, this was um, kind of a, uh, a product of the United States of America and how marketing engines get a hold of curricula. Um, a big company like Holt, Putin, Mifflin, they can sell their books in any state if they, if they would address every standard. And to do that, they would develop these big, sick encyclopedic books. Um, and they'd have many authors comprise these books, call them ghost authors. One person would write, you know, the geometry chapters. Another person would write the multiplication chapters. And as a result, it lacked, they lacked coherency and, um, to say they lack coherency. The Singapore math texts were a single authorship from first grade through, um, you know, where I taught in sixth grade. And therefore, the way concepts are learned and mastered in the early grades um, is a foundation for learning harder concepts in second grade. It works more like a novel. And in novels, there are twists and turns. And therefore, a deep understanding of the lower grades um, or the earlier chapters in a novel 
help you um, better understand uh, the curriculum later on and in the metaphor I'm using the later chapters of the book. So Does can that you, make sense? Totally. Absolutely. Not quite. No, 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 absolutely makes sense. I was going to, but what I, I want to ask to follow up, like, let's talk about, uh, I, and I know we, we can use the example that you gave in the seminar of finding the area of a triangle, which I think is a great example, but you're welcome to use a different example. Like, can you give an example of, Hey, this is how I maybe see. it's stand something, a concept is taught in a standard oh. way. And this is the Singapore way. Sure. So it basically, it, there's a concrete pictorial abstract approach um, to to all topics. You learn um, you learn the, you develop a physical understanding of a topic represented with a picture, and then lead to an abstraction. Um, rules and um, conventions those are introduced after the concept is already understood. When you worked with me, um, uh, when we worked together. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we used the example of the area of a triangle and, um, through, and uh, the catalyst to arrive at an understanding of the formula one-half base times height was to first break up all triangles into right, right triangles and finding half of the rectangular value. Um, and what you went through was a discovery process of how to arrive at these answers. Um, later, the um, students will be led to a formula of one half base times height. Um, it's a little hard to, to explain without you know graphics in front of us. Um, the, there, the the best am the, I doing okay? You're, you're doing great. The best part, the part that okay. really resonated with me was the exercise that you led to kick the whole thing off. And what you did was you gave everybody, you had everybody draw a rectangle on a board and you said, okay, now color in half. And I think that was the coolest part because it's like, okay, you can color it any way you want. So most people like me, I colored it, uh, split it in half, sort of with a vertical line down the center, shaded the right side. Some people did it, uh, put a horizontal line. And then there was one guy, it, it didn't It didn't rely on this because you said you could have shown this yourself, but one guy drew a diagonal and that was the uh-huh. key. It was like by somebody just showing, hey, this is another way to cut this in half, then that naturally mm-hmm. leads you to creating two triangles. And I thought that was really cool because then you can you can think back like it it reminds me of for example the the distance formula if you're trying to t- calculate the distance of a line b- between two coordinates it's it's kind of a, a crazy formula uh, it, i think because yeah, you have sure. you have a lot of parts you have uh, subtraction symbols addition symbols those are often mixed up uh, and then you have squares within a square root and so like it's kind of the same thing where if you have learned – of course, this is beyond the, the sixth grade level usually. I don't think they ever learned mm-hmm. the distance formula. But if you learn it as this crazy formula and have to memorize it, you could easily make a mistake. But if instead you learn it as an extension of Pythagorean's theorem, then it, uh-huh. it, it makes a lot more sense because now we're just talking about the diagonal of a triangle – our whole, our nice right. a squared plus b squared equals c squared. And then you can, you can just reference that, reformulate it. And you're like, Hey, I don't have to memorize this formula. I can almost derive it on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, so it's basically what you're referring to. Um, I, I chose a pedagogical approach to doing that. And, uh, I mentioned before Dr. Yohan Sager, he said, 
you know, the curriculum is laid out. Um, what well, is a brilliant sequence. Uh, topics are introduced to students in a sensible way, but without good pedagogical approaches, um, it, it won't succeed. The students will be confused. So I was actually, um, when you said, you know, before I, I introduced a very challenging topic to you, um, you know, finding halves and exploring how we can find the area of triangles with just the knowledge we already have of halves and the area of rectangles. Um, I, I did something I call building the ladder. And I find that Singapore math topics are often introduced too hard to, to students. Um, uh, that's not a, I'm trying to think of a better way to say it. Uh, it's often the first um, problem in a sequence is a, a rung in the ladder that many students have trouble accessing or reaching. So what I try to do is come up with simpler questions to lead to um, that higher rung in the ladder. And the first thing I said was draw a rectangle. You know, that's a kindergarten or first grade question. I then um, said, split it in half. Um, that's, you know, a, an early elementary uh, question. Students learn the concept of the half. Um, and then the one person, you know, they were the, uh, you know, they were the minority, but they showed that it could be broken apart diagonally. And that then served as a catalyst for the remainder of the lesson. And my goal there was for everyone to feel confident having answered three or four questions before they ever get to the crux of the lesson. That's not technically Singapore math. That's a strategy to deliver it and one that I deeply believe in. Um, so Singapore math works like a map in which, um, you know, there's a important sequence in which um, the students are introduced to topics. Any approach can be used, any pedagogical approach can be used to teach the curriculum. Um, but a constructivist approach is encouraged in Singapore. And if I think, um, delve into that a little bit, um, the subject of math is, to me, it, it's to develop great thinkers and reasoners. And I think most people would agree that, uh, you know, it is a subject of thinking and reasoning. However, in my opinion, too often math is taught procedurally, follow this set of directions, for instance. Um, my feeling is if we want students to become great thinkers and reasoners, we need to, uh, teachers need to um, deliver the subject through thinking and reasoning. And uh, therefore, uh, uh, what I'm saying is the pedagogical approach that I was trained in by Dr. Joram Sager was not to tell students what to do, but to lead them to understanding through, through question, through thought-provoking, thought-reasoning questions. Um, the example that, uh, that you used uh, in the demonstration lesson we did a couple of weeks ago, I said draw a square or draw a rectangle. Cut shade half of it. And you were able to do all these things. And then I projected a right triangle and asked, what is the area of it? Um, this was an introduction to right triangles um, students um, would never have um, been taught how to find the area, but through reasoning and those simpler questions, they were able to calculate 
um, the area of a rectangle, which they would have learned the previous grade, and see that this is half of a rectangle. And therefore, the, I was trying to get um, in this um, simulation, get students and participants to understand, to reason about, and lead them to an understanding of how to find the area of a right triangle rather than me telling them this is how you find it. When you discover something on your own through thinking and reasoning, it tends to internalize much better than if um, a teacher tells you a set of steps um, to arrive at an answer. You know, this this reminds me. Of, OK, so for for example, like the other way you could have said it is like, hey, this is the formula one half base times height. But instead. So I think there's two things that are important to note here. One if you sort of go on that, it's just like sitting there and trying to solve a problem for 10, 20 minutes on your own. And when you finally get it, man, you're going to be hard pressed to forget it because for whatever reason, that process, it burns it into your brain. But this also reminds me of something. I just did an episode on this a couple days ago on the concept of memory formation, something called engrams. Okay. Engrams are what it's when you're forming memories, it's the way that if I'm if I'm getting this correct, I gotta I gotta go back and look at this article, make sure. But the the gist of it is that the strongest memories are formed that that have relationships to other facts. So, for example, if we learn something while experiencing an emotion related to something else, whatever it happens at the same time, that memory is then stronger. The engram is almost like the physical manifest the manifestation in our brains that now hold this memory. So what what this reminds me of is what you're doing is you're not just saying, hey, what's the area of a triangle out of thin air? You're linking it right. to the concept of a rectangle. And so to me, just based on this research that I just read the other day, it ties right into that, makes it more likely that a child will internalize it, remember it. Exactly. It's I, Another role of my friend is connecting that which we already know to that which we're learning. And um, and uh, that helps us make better sense of the world and helps us be better at life. Um, it's just a little less um, quantifiable, I guess. But um, no, that's that's exactly, you sound like my math trainer when you say that. That's exactly what I um, attempt to do uh, when I train teachers and when I teach. I see that. I mean, and I really like that. And that that's something that, I mean, I picked it up, even the teaching that I've just been doing in the last few weeks since that seminar I've been trying mm-hmm. to implement that wherever I can. So another another huge aspect of Singapore math, as it seems mm-hmm. to me, are the bar models. And yeah. for, for, for people who are unfamiliar with bar models, because I think it's a great way to teach fractions, can you tell us what those are? Bar models. Um, the bar models serve several functions. It's sort of the, mo- the model um, for problem solving throughout um, grades you know, three to six. Um, in the primary edition, and then uh, they're introduced a little earlier in Math and Focus, which is a newer edition. Um, but the students, basically, they're using the bar model as a catalyst to solve problems, and it's woven into not only their word problems, but also their fraction work, and, um, uh, you know, also, you know, percent, uh, and I'm sorry, uh, it's woven into their fraction work, but also, um, all problem solving, word problem solving that they do in grades three to six. It, in many cases, it it, uh, it takes the place of a variable, and that gives them a more graphic um, understanding of uh, of 
you know, pre-algebra and later algebra. So it, it's a segue into more complicated things later. So it seems like there's a, a fairly large emphasis on a lot of visual, getting a, a, a nice visual grasp of these concepts. What are there any? What are, like what are the statistics on, let's say, students who learn the Singapore way or in this in this in this with this method? You know, how do they stack up, or how does that usually translate? Because I know the goal is to have a more solid understanding in later concepts. How does that usually? I assume that's how it plays out. But can you give us more insight on that? I can't. I, I don't have data to to regurgitate now. Um, basically, I will say this: just having the program ensures nothing, um, because you know it, it needs to be taught and learned well. Um, the more successful schools, um, the students are are making very simple transitions into algebra, um, just because their their number sense and uh, their understanding of um, simpler forms of variables like bar models, like fill in the blanks. Um, they've mastered these things in the lower grades and then therefore they're making pretty easy transitions into pre-algebra and algebra. Um, I can only share, you know, uh, you know, the experiences I've had, um, the school I taught in and, um, in Philadelphia, fact charter school, uh, they recently, the first group to go, they started in 1B. They were second graders. They started in 1B and went through sixth grade with the program and then transitioned into algebra. Um, it's a Title I school. They just put a student in MIT, Lehigh University, which is a very reputable private school in the East Coast, Columbia University, another Ivy League school, um, and a couple students that got um, into the, uh, two or three students that got into um Drexel, uh, full ride of the Drexel's med school program. So, um, and there are other, you know, very successful examples out there. Um, but I don't have a whole, um, I, I don't have data, um, offhand to, to refer you to. For parents who are listening to this and saying, this seems really interesting. My child seems to be a visual learner. So this sounds right up Mike's child's alley, but the the school doesn't know about it or my tutor doesn't know like what what would you what advice would you offer to a parent who's like hey I want to try and expose my kid to this but it doesn't exist in my education system well um if they're if they want to help their child um the, I mean the first thing I would say is I I would I'd be very wary of trying to um uh expose their students to contradict what the teacher is saying. Just emotionally, I find that difficult for kids to deal with. Um, if they, you know, just want to help uh, with graphic approaches to mathematics, my recommendation would be to buy a, uh, a U.S. edition um, or primary edition textbook. Uh, the way Singapore designed these a long time ago was for students, parents, and teachers and children to learn mathematics together. Um, the, the parent, the parents would need to study the textbooks to, you know, understand them a bit. And, um, but I think, you know, once you train your brain to, to, uh, kind of look at the graphics and understand what is, uh, what they're representing, I think, uh, you could convey concepts to students quite easily. Um, like Dr. Seiger said, they're, they're delivered in with a sensible approach. 
um, if they're unable to, the books are cheap too. They're only like eight or nine dollars. Um, if they're unable to make sense of the books, then you know there there are many. You know, I would Google a Singapore math school and ask someone to kind of um, talk. You know, talk to them about how they can can look at the books. I think that would be the best approach. Um, you know, there are on there are online courses for bar modeling things like that, but um, I I don't think bar modeling. I think it can be okay if you introduce the students. I don't think it works well um, as a standalone. I, I think it works well complemented with the Singapore math curriculum. Now, I know that you you consult with schools and you basically you show teachers like me, like you train teachers in the Singapore curriculum. Let's say yeah. hypothetically, could I mean, is it possible for parents or schools? to hire you or someone like you to say, Hey, can we hire you for a day to come down and, and explain what is this all about? Or, and if they want to do that, like what organizations can they turn to? Yes. Uh, sh- sure. Um, yeah. And I, I want to note that I, I didn't take the interview with any interest in promotion, but, um, yeah, no, I, that's happened before. I've had parents attend the workshops that you, the grade level workshops that you attended, um, you know, just so they can better help, their, their students, tutors attend sometimes as well. Um, you know, I, I mean, you're, they're certainly welcome to contact me, um, www.teacherbilldavidson.com. Um, it's, uh, and so, I mean, that, that is one avenue. Um, I've never led, I've been interested in leading parent workshops. I never have just because I find that parents tend to be so busy. They don't usually have days of their lives to give away to, um, you know, deeply understanding um, their child's grade, but uh, I have considered it. I, I may consider it again. Um, and so that's one, re- you know, I'm one resource. There are other resources on uh, the Singapore math website and uh, you know, they, they list trainers and, and I know most of them. And from what I understand, most of them are very willing to talk uh, to parents and steer them in a direction, whatever region of the country they're living in to, um, you know, some experts in their area. Uh, I feel like I may have gotten away from your question. Is that, um, is no, that answering it? That, that is perfect. So, and, and of course, uh, you know, uh, I know you said you didn't come on to self-promote, but I'll promote you anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, Bill Davidson, he's been a huge help for me. I mean, I think for probably countless teachers. So, again, it's www.teacherbilldavidson.com. If you want to get more information or even reach out to Bill. So, Bill, thank you. Thank you so much for coming out today. That was awesome. And I, re- I really appreciate it, guys. Hope you hope you at least got a, a brief understanding of what Singapore math is all about. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put that URL into the show notes so you can go ahead and check out his website and his work and all stuff. Uh, I'm also going to put in a link to in, in case you want to look at some of the the Singapore books on Amazon because I think you can get them on Amazon. I know some of my parents have bought them on Amazon. So you can check them out mm-hmm. and just like flip through the preview at your on your own pace. If you want to check out the show notes, go to www.scalerlearning.com. You can find all the show notes there. And if you have any questions or comments for me, you can email me at huzefa at scalerlearning.com learning.com and if you haven't done so yet make sure to subscribe to the podcast we got new episodes coming out every day for the rest of the summer so still a lot of great content coming up make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so yet thank you guys so much for joining i'll see you guys next time take it easy Skinner, learning.
Give me that skin and learn. 